Hello, and welcome to another episode of Heartstock Radio. I'm Carol Murphy, your host, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio. Remember that you can always reach us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And in just a moment, we will have our guest for this week. His name is G. Brian Benson. He's an author and a TEDx speaker. He's going to share some tidbits of wisdom with us in just a moment and talk more about his book. This is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. We will be right back. As I went walking that ribbon the highway, I saw Hello and welcome once again. Thanks for listening. This is Hardstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and today our guest is G. Brian Benson. He's an author and a TEDx speaker. Hello, Brian. How are you? And thanks for being on Hardstock. Oh, thanks, Carol. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. So I have your book, and I'm one of those listen to books on tapes kind of people. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. It's so nice, especially if you do a lot of driving, having those books on tapes are are fantastic. And Mm -hmm. what I'm hoping is you can give a little introduction here as to who you are and why you wrote your book. Sure. Well, you know, I I do a lot of things and it's still kind of evolving, but I, I write books. I love to create positive content in all kinds of different ways. Being in LA, you know, I've also dabbled in acting and creating my own kind of short films and spoken word videos and, you know, anything that I feel like can maybe make people feel good, get them to think a little bit and kind of try to raise the vibration of those that are taking it in. And and so, you know, I've also, gosh, I'm a project coach. I love to help other people, you know, put their projects together. I, I've, I've had podcasts. And so, you know, I, I really like to just try to let come out what needs to come out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, can you talk a little bit about your book? Uh, when did you, when did it first come out? And when did you first start writing it? Sure. Now, are we talking about Habits for Success well, I or know. Brian's List? Because there's a handful of them yep. out there. Prob- yep. Probably Habits. Yep. That's um, the most re- recent one, right? That's the one that I'm yes, currently yes. listening to. Yes. Thank you. Um, I'm going to briefly explain kind of how I got into this, if that's okay, because I think it's kind of important. I Definitely. I was running my family business uh, until 2008 when I kind of felt like I was kind of burnt out and done growing there. We had a good driving range up in, in Salem, Oregon, like a golf center. And I told my dad, you know, I felt like I was done and he was okay with that. But I ended up having to stay an extra year because we decided to sell it and went through that process of locating a buyer. And one day I was feeling out of balance and I sat down and wrote down five things that I knew that would help me. And I studied that list for a a month and it helped me. It really did. And my intuition screamed, expand the list and write a book. And I'd never written anything before, but I kind of honored that and it's poured through me. So I then self-published it in 2009 and found, you know, an editor and layout person, et cetera, et cetera. And it won a couple of awards, which shocked me, but I didn't sell a whole lot of books because I was terrified of public speaking and I didn't know how to market a book, you know, 13 years ago. So I just began this process of stepping out of my comfort zone and just, um, I, I did community college speech classes and Toastmasters and took an acting class with no plans on acting, but just 
I was forcing myself to be more comfortable and confident in front of others so I could share that book's message. Well, one thing just kept leading to another and uh, Habits for Success came out about a, a couple of years ago. And, and for me, it's just, it's kind of a culmination of everything that I've gone through since I left my family business. You know, just all the, the ups and downs, the, the growth, the uh, awareness, self-awareness that I gained during my own, you know, self-growth process. I mean, we're all very similar in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think it's important that we share what we go through because, uh, you know, there's other people that, that might need, a, a per, you know, permission to do the same thing because they might, might be a little bit nervous or scared to take that, that leap out of their comfort zone and just kind of see what what lies inside of them. I had no idea any of what I'm doing currently and have been doing for the last 13 years was inside of me, but I just kind of kept following those intuitive breadcrumbs. What was going on inside of you? Was it a, a calling, a pleasant voice calling, or was there a lot of discomfort that kind of, I don't know, some people would refer to it as the dark night of the soul that was pushing sure. you out the door, so to speak? Well, I've I've had a few dark nights of the souls and we might get into them a little bit in a second here. But for me, it was like, it was a pleasant kind of like exciting um, series of moments that made me feel alive and empowered. When I was three, I told my mom I was put here to inspire people. And she reminded me after my first book came out, the book on a whole bunch of different ways to stay in life balance. And so I, I just was really motivated, excited about leaving the family business and just really seeing what was next. And so everything I did, you know, even though it was scary, whether it was a Toastmasters class or the acting thing or what have you, it was scary, but it also at the same time made me feel like I was headed in the right direction. And it was just, I happily expected the unexpected. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about working in your family business? Mm -hmm. Did you grow up there in Salem or is that something that your family developed and moved to later on in life? Yeah, no, sure. Um, I grew up in Salem and my dad was an insurance um, agent and he loved golf and purchased a, a driving range from a couple of really nice old World War II veterans that were kind of near retirement. And and so I started working there. Actually, I worked for the gentleman before my dad even purchased it. That was my first job in seventh grade. I would go pick up golf balls in a like a John Deere tractor with a chicken wire cage on it. It wasn't very safe, but I luckily didn't get hit. And then I just kind of worked there through high school and a little bit in college and, you know, uh, in the summers during college. And then... Um, he had somebody else leasing it from him. And that when that gentleman left, he asked if I wanted to come and take it over. And so it was kind of a side thing for my dad, but yet we made decisions together and I ran it um, for like 11 years. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. And most people will give their left arm to do something like that. I mean, I, you know, I was at a place where people were happy to be. And in some ways, I almost felt like a bartender sometimes, you know, because they get a lot of regulars and they chat with me. And, and it was just a really... It was a tough job. We had a, I had a lot to do. I mean, you have to uh, operate, you know, make sure that the, the course, uh, we ended up adding a nine hole part three course to it and, and the store after he purchased it. So there was a lot of upgrades throughout the process, but there was a lot of things to do, you know, the marketing, the purchasing of the, pro, uh, the, the shop products, um, making Your, sure that golf course was in shape and, the you know, the, the show. <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. And so it was, it was fun, but it was also really 
you know, tiring. And I had, if the alarm went off in the middle of the night, I'd have to go down there. I mean, just, you know, I'm not complaining, but it just, I wasn't able to just go out and golf 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> no, business ownership yeah. requires hard work. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, and I just, I just eventually felt like, you know, I knew, I felt like there was something inside of me that needed to come out. I didn't know what it was. And so I just, you know, took a chance and, and told him that I needed to leave and he was okay with that. Hmm. So your college years and then being an entrepreneur and a business owner with mm-hmm. your family, how did all that help you with what you're mm. doing right now, being more creative, it seems? Well, I mean, I had a little bit of creativity there, I, I suppose, in the way that, you know, I set up the shop and stuff like that. I mean, it's not really, it's not really like compared to what I'm doing now, but I'm very personable. I enjoy being around people, although I'm an introvert and I need time to refill my cup. But so that was nice being able to be around people and just kind of develop a lot of those skills. I think something that I did even before I started running a business, I ended up, I had a knee injury that kind of rehabbed it and it accidentally got me into the sport of triathlon way back in 1987. And I just kept following that nudge and I ended up doing over 50 races, including four Ironman. And I had all that experience and just kind of intestinal fortitude in my back pocket. You know what I mean? That like, if I can do this, I can do pretty much anything. And so that was really, that's always been a blessing for me and probably helped me once I left to just, you know, like if I can, I can pretty much do anything I want if I put my mind to it. I mean, you know, there's obviously some things I can't, I can't dunk a basketball and other things like that, but you know, if I really want something and I, I can do it. So doing those triathlons really proved that to me. And, you know, and I learned some good lessons at, at the business as well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your first book uh, before we yeah. take our, our break. You mentioned self-publishing it. Um, do you have any yeah. advice or tidbits, pearls from that experience that you'd like to share with everyone? Mm, that's a great question. I don't know. I just followed my gut and just went with it. And I talked to someone, but you know, that was even before Amazon, I think had their print on demand process. So I ended up just, I found someone who'd done their own books and she gave me some nice tips and I ended up finding a printer in Utah and my eyes were bigger than my stomach and I ordered 2000 copies, (laughs) but you know, it was a, it was a really fun and exciting process for me. And, you know, just one one step led to another and everything, you know, that, that I did and that I think people do just kind of, it really gave me a lot of confidence too. Right. And in, in some ways I think they say that now books are kind of like a great, great way to, you know, get yourself out there, whether it's to share your story and to, to leverage that in your business or just, you know, try to help it and inspire others with whatever you're sharing. But um, there's so many reasons to do a book and I want to make, I guess I would tell people to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, the books that I've written, they had to come out. I've talked to some other of my friends who are, who are coaches and different things. They feel like they need to do one because everybody else is. And so that might be a little bit more of a sticky situation, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because their heart might not be in it completely or, or I don't know, it's just the passion. But, you know, I always tell people just, just write, you know, get some, get some headlines, get some things, just write under those little outlines, topics, whatever. And then, and then it'll start to show itself maybe on how it's supposed to come out. I, a lot of people feel like they need to write a book from A to Z and that would be really difficult. 
And what was inspiring you in creating the passion to write this book initially? Was it just, it just the whole thing? It felt thing? like it had to come out. Yeah, uh, the whole mm. thing. It just like it was just like an intuitive hit for me, and it just felt like all systems go, mm-hmm. and so nothing was going to stop me. Same. That's how I felt with the triathlons too, you know, and other things that have happened to my life. I've just felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So it had been, it would seem, in hindsight, burning away since you announced to your mom that you were going to do this. <laughs> at age three. I guess so, oh right? Yeah. <laughs> and and what three-year-old does this? I mean, maybe it's more common than one would think, but um, I, what do you I think about that now? It just seems so poignant. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I guess, it, you know, I, we're, we're getting metaphysically or whatever, or it's just, I, I believe in reincarnation. Maybe it's just like, that was kind of my mission this lifetime, just to, to try to share my own journey, the ups and downs. I've had a, you know, I've, I've gone through just about as much as anybody could ever want to have to go through good and bad, but, you know, just, just through the honest and vulnerable sharing of it, I think just number one helps me process things, get through things, feel more free, more freedom. And hopefully it just allows other people, you know, to get what they need to get from what, from what they're reading. So sometimes we hear like, I'm thinking of the promise and the secret and different books, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, all this positivity in some of our minds, we might think, oh, well, you know, if bad things are happening, it's because I'm not being positive enough. But mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's sounding like all that positivity didn't <laughs> keep you from having bad things happen. Well, Help us understand no, how you think I almost, about this. Yeah, I think we're here to learn and grow. And I think I, I read this one place, and I'm not sure who said it, but this really, really hit me hard. It's like we're here, and, and the tough things that, that may happen to us, that can happen to us, are all experiences that help teach us to be more uh, self-compassionate in certain areas. I mean, it's really easy to be self-compassionate and happy and positive when good things are happening. But when tough stuff happens, you know, whether it's divorce or being the, being a child of divorce or, you know, parents of divorce – I had prostate cancer two years ago and, you know, it sucked, but it, it was also a huge blessing in disguise because it got me off kind of um, the hamster wheel that I was on and it allowed me to kind of give myself permission to stop for a little while and self-reflect and maybe tweak some of the areas that I was kind of maybe pushing through. And, you know, so it gave me a lot of self-awareness and, um, and I drove around the U.S. last year for six months just kind of being anonymous and it really helped me kind of heal a lot of things. And, and it was really a lovely experience, which I'm writing a road trip memoir about. Hmm. So we're going to take our midway point break here in just a moment. We'll be right back with Brian and talk about his book a little bit more habits for success, or I should say the latest book. This is Heartstock. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Heartstock Radio. 
Our guest this week is G. Brian Benson, and we were just talking about all the the fun things <laughs> that life throws at us sometimes, <laughs> and habits for success. Talk a little bit about what was your motivation here for writing it, and was sure. it was it something you wrote for yourself, or was it like the first book, just kind of calling to come out? Or it was a little different, I think. I was, you know, 10 years, 10 years into my journey and a lot more uh, self-aware and just, you know, a, a different person. I think we all, we all grow, obviously. And I, I had someone reach out. I was in a documentary and there was a gentleman in there who was a literary agent. And the director of the documentary told the lit agent about me. And so I reached out and we had a nice chat and they ended up bringing me on. And I said, okay, hmm. And then I started kind of getting this idea about maybe kind of trying to put a book together, uh, culminating all the stuff that I had learned, and, and it ended up becoming Habits for Success. And so the first four books that I did, a couple of self-help books and two kids' ch- children's books, um, were self-published. And then Habits for Success was my first publishing deal with Mango um, Publishing. And, and it was a really great experience. Um, so I'm very, very grateful for it. And, and it just kind of... Um, it was a little different experience, obviously, than the first four, but um, I'm really, really proud of how it turned out. It ended up winning a couple of awards, which shocked me again, but yet it, um, I don't know, I'm really, really, really proud of how it turned out. There's a lot of a lot of um, honest writing in there, and, and the further I you know, get, go in my journey and, and my growth process, it just it gets easier to share, I suppose. You know, there's sometimes we get a little afraid to... To, to share our awards and all, and weren't wondering, you know, what people are going to think about us and stuff. But we all have them, and um, yeah, it was it was a it was a great great process. And there's 48 chapters, and so I really cover a lot of different things and share a lot of stories in them. And so I tried to make it kind of entertaining, inspiring, and thought provoking all at the same time. And I noticed that intuition plays a big role well, in your success and you're recommending us to get in touch with that. Yeah. Can can you talk about, about that and why it's important, you know, that we listen, would you say, sure. to our heart as opposed to being kind of brain-centered? I mean, that's a little tough yeah. for some. No, I know. Well, we as humans like to try to control things and that always comes from our brain and, and you know, and, and all of our wounds and all the societal and familial teachings that we, you know, have and, and what have you. And so, um, you know, and I, I struggle with some of that stuff too. We all do. But what I've found just the more that I can really just honor the feelings I have, the more interesting and fulfilling my life has become. And that's not to say that, you know, I don't use my brain for, of course I do. You know what I mean? I think things through and try to be very logical at times. And I feel like I'm pretty grounded in that regard, which is nice. But yet I've also learned how to trust um, my intuitive feelings. And you know, I look back when I was racing and training for, for all those races, I did a lot of long runs and long rides where it was just me and no headset or anything. And those are just really long meditative journeys that I went on, you know? And, and so there's different ways we can meditate to um, access our intuition, you know, just, you can go for a walk, you can actually meditate, meditate. There's a, a variety of ways to do that. 
if you're if you um, are musical and you play an instrument, that's kind of tapping in. That's kind of a form of meditation. Um, you know, one more creative. If you're an artist, you draw or you paint. That's a form of meditation. There's just so many different things we can do to kind of turn our brain off and and really just um, quiet things down a little bit. I, I really love to hike, and that that's kind of when I get a lot of ideas. And um, I remember when I was practicing my TEDx talk, I would go hike and I would do it twice during this loop that I did. And that really helped it sink in. But um, I think the more that we can quiet ourselves, you know, the the better off we'll be. And then it's just a matter of kind of trusting uh, the information that we're getting. Mm-hmm. Trusting the information that we're getting. Um, that's <laughs> We, right? we could probably t- talk a whole hour about that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about, you know, being self-published versus having a publisher. For mm-hmm. for any authors out there who are listening, which did you prefer and why? Well, I think there's obviously pros and cons to everything, but I, I really, I had a good experience with Habits for Success, my, my publishing deal. It was almost like the best of both worlds. You know, I, I wrote it. I owned everything. I, they, they gave me, you know, creative control. They had some nice ideas, which enhanced it a little bit and some different things that we added in there. And then, you know, it was nice to have them do um, the publishing aspect of it, you know, the layout and, and what have you. And they sent it to me and I made sure it looked all right. And, you know, if I had any suggestions or didn't like something, they'd listen to me and I got to choose my cover. Um, I know not all situations are like that. Mango was pretty, pretty good in that regard. And then um, when it was all said and done, you know, anymore, it's still up to the author to do a lot of the marketing, even if you have a publishing deal. But they also did some stuff on, you know, on their end, which was very nice and, and helped me. So, yeah, I had a really good experience. You know, uh, there's lots of publishing companies out there and I, I don't know how they might be a little bit different than mango, but uh, my experience was good. And as far as, you know, the financial benefits, did mm-hmm. they basically say, we'll give you X number of dollars for writing the book and then you get a percentage of every book that sells or how, how are these no. deals usually created? Well, I think it just, it's been continually changing. I mean, most people are not getting um, money up front unless you're a big name or they know that it's going to sell. And so I did not get any uh, money up front. I, I, the way that they do it, I think you get a percentage of the book sales and that's after costs. And so I think it's like 20, they actually pay a little bit more than some companies. It was a certain percentage. And then if it's sold over a certain amount of copies, then that percentage went up a little bit. So, you know, if you, if you out there in a big way and you have a pretty good audience, you're going to make more money self-publishing more than likely. But um, I'm glad I did this just because it kind of gave me a little different um, credit, different, different bit of credibility that I had had yet not having my own publishing deal, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And any other partners or people that have kind of influenced or, or mentored you that you'd, you'd like to tell us about? Wow. Oh my gosh. You know, I've been a lot of really nice, great people since I've been on this journey since 2009. Um, boy, 
<laughs> well, there was a gentleman in 2009, after I left uh, the family business, I moved to Reno, Nevada to be near my son, who was just entering high school in Northern California, about 30 miles away. And this gentleman was the teacher of the community college speech class. His name was Joe and Papa, just a really kind guy, very empowering. And he also was an acting teacher and, and had um, been a, an entertainer in his earlier life. And so he also got me into the acting as well. And so we still keep in touch. He's a great man and just really gave me a lot of confidence in a time when I was just stepping into a whole lot of new things. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's a good time to get a little confidence shot in the arm. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, especially when, you know, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. So he was, he was, there were not, there are no accents. He was perfectly, perfectly aligned with my Mm. My journey. So we have about three minutes left. Um, yeah. You mentioned some other projects you're working on. Well, mm. What lays ahead? Well, right now I'm just wrapping up a multi-author book that I put together with a project partner. It's called Dare to Dream, Women and Men Who Refuse to Let Their Dreams Die. And that's been a really neat experience um, where we have people join us and they, they write a chapter. We help them write a chapter. Most of the people are non-writers. People have always wanted to be in a book. Um, there's a few people that have written a little bit, but that's been a really, really neat experience. Um, the stories are amazing and just the confidence uh, that the people gain while being in it. And it's made me a better writer too, helping them work on their own stories. And so that's, it's been a nice, nice project and that will launch in January. And I, of course, I kind of mentioned I'm working on that road trip memoir. I don't have a title yet for it um, based on my six months in the U.S., driving around the U.S. And other than that, I'm just I'm kind of in transition. I'm going to be moving from L.A. in a couple in about a week. You know, I'm still going to be being creative and um, but I'm, I'm open to collaborations in different ways. And I'm just um, kind of taking the next step and moving to Oregon. Where? Well, no, I mean, I'm going to go back there just for the holidays. But then after that, I'm not sure. I'm I'm kind of looking for another place to potentially land. Uh, hmm. Yeah. And where did you go on your trip? Did this kind of influence your, your move out of L.A.? A lot of people well, are leaving L.A. I understand that. Yeah, I mean, totally. it's, there's a way. Yeah, I'm going to miss some of my friends here. And there's a lot of creativity. But it's also kind of, it's just, it's it's tough to live here, you know, for a variety of reasons. And it's getting really expensive. But I went all over the U.S. Gosh, whoa, down the West Coast. I went kind of across through Nevada and Utah and Colorado and down to Kansas and Missouri and Oklahoma and um Gosh, Arkansas, Louisiana, across to Mississippi and Alabama, and then up through the eastern seaboard and up into the you know, top corner of Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont. And I went up into Canada a little bit and then I went back down to the south. And so I mean, I really hit a lot of places. And I, I was lucky and grateful that I rode my bicycle across the United States in 1996. And so between that trip and between this trip, I have hit all 50 states. <laughs> and so America is truly a beautiful country and there's so much beauty here. And so, yeah, I, I have a few places in the back of my mind that, mm -hmm. that I could end up potentially landing. <laughs> mm. Yes. I'm recalling first time I drove across Kansas um, oh, yeah. from California to, to DC. And it was like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's a little Kansas and, and, and Nebraska are, are not quite as, you know, um, like some of the other places, but yet, yeah, well, there's just there's beauty everywhere. Indeed. And th hearing about the first accounts 
of white people writing about, you know, uh, miles and miles of grass Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. taller than their heads sitting on the back Mm -hmm. of a horse. (laughs) Anyway, we could go on and on about that, too. Um, Yeah. Just want to say thank you so much for being on Heartstock. And how might folks find you? Well, thanks for asking. I have a website. It's just the letter G and then Brian with an I, Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N. So it's G Brian Benson. You can find me there and you can find me on most social media places kind of under the same thing, G Brian Benson. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. And in the book, Habit, the Habits book is just at habitsforsuccessbook.com. Hmm. Excellent. And we'll be back again next week once again. Thanks so much, Brian, for being on Heartstock. And as always, we'll see you next week. Peace. And on the sign it says, no trespassing. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. Let me, let me